Good to see those of you who are here in person this morning. Welcome if you're watching us online. Um, as Taylor said, we're starting a brand new series this morning. But right before I get into that, you saw the uh, video there for youth camp. So if you parents are out there with middle schoolers, high schoolers, uh, there's information you can find out about that outside. But I wonder if there are any parents here uh, this morning or any uh, students here today that are graduating uh, high school. If it's high school, you're graduating today. Your ceremony is today. If it's um, middle school, you may have had your ceremony already. If you're a college graduate, maybe you've had your ceremony. Uh, anyone, I don't embarrass you, but anyone, just give us a raise of the hand if you are either graduating or you have a child or a kid who's graduating today. Yep, we got some moms and dads here in the room giving us a wave. Let's, uh, can we just start by just praying? Uh, this is a really significant transitional stage in life for uh, these students uh, and probably for the moms as well whose kids are uh, heading off to college and uh, leaving. So, Father, Thank you so much for um, this wonderful stage of life uh, where a chapter closes and a new chapter begins. And uh, for those students who are entering this new phase of life, whether it be uh, leaving middle school to go to high school, whether it be leaving high school to go to college, or whether it's leaving college to begin uh, this brand new adventure of life they have before them, Father, I pray that they would find you in every step they take that they would know, Lord, that you are there wanting to guide them and lead them into this wonderful path that you have for them. So guide these students today. And for the mums and the dads and the grandparents and uncles and aunts and families that will be celebrating uh, today for the high schoolers and uh, in the coming days and weeks for middle schoolers, for college graduates, Lord, be with them as well. Let it be a great time of celebration, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you are one of those uh, younger people in the room, uh, I want to just let you know, you may be surprised to hear this, but social media hasn't always been around, okay? Maybe in your lifetime it's always been around, but um, it's a new thing in the lifetime of some of us uh, older folks like me who are in our 30s. And um, we... Uh, <laughs> funny about that. We, uh, we haven't always had social media. So as young people, you may be saying, well, well, how would people ever know what you believed? How would people ever know what you stood for? Well, the good news is, before we had social media, we had bumper stickers, okay? They went on the back of our cars, and uh, we were quite happy to be able to let people know, well, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I believe. This is who I'm voting for. And that was the way that we told people a little bit about ourselves. So I'm going to give you a few examples here this morning. Maybe um, something like this. Save our forest. You know, a, a values-driven, you know, ethics-driven. You know, a lot of people have bumper stickers that kind of stand for, for what they believe in, and they would use these stickers to, to let people know what they are passionate about. Uh, then other people will use bumper stickers just to let people know uh, what's going on in their life right now. Celebrate the stage of life they find themselves in. Ever find, seen somebody who's got um, this in their back window, the kind of little stick figures that says, hey, this is us. You know, there's, there's mom, dad, we've got some kids, we've got a cat and a dog, you know, and, and, and they're kind of celebrating that stage of life. Other people, they, uh, they're not so excited that they've arrived at that stage of life. Their bumper sticker might be this in the back of their minivan. <laughs> I used to be cool. Because if you're a parent here this morning and you've got a minivan, you remember the day you bought it and you're like, oh, I've got a minivan. <laughs> Everything's changing. So, uh, so yeah, some people will, will use that. But for those families who are kind of accepting this stage of life, they'll, they'll find bumper stickers they can use to, to celebrate achievements in life. 
Some of you parents very proudly support bumper stickers like this. I'm the proud parent of an honor roll student or the proud parent of, you know, you'll, you'll let people know uh, the accomplishments or achievements of your kids. The good news is that as these honor roll students uh, grow up and become adults themselves, there are bumper stickers for them. Uh, I was an honor student. I don't know what happened. So... Uh, <laughs> So there's great opportunities for those kids as they get older. And then um, some people, uh, they're not quite as proud as their kids as they are other members of their family. So you've got great options like this, Doodle Dads. That's a, a sticker that I could actually have. I am a Doodle Dad. Um, I actually was looking online for some examples of some um, political bumper stickers to give you an example because a lot of people tend to put those on. But sadly, most of the ones I found were actually anti the person they didn't uh, like and quite uh, choice in the words they used to let them know how they felt about the other person, not so much for the person they did like, which is a bit of a sad reflection on uh, who we are as a people. So, uh, but political bumper stickers can sometimes come up there. And then as followers of Jesus, we too have stickers we can choose from. We could have our fish, uh, we could have a logo from the church we attend, something like WWJD, my boss is a Jewish carpenter, maybe you've seen stickers like that. The one challenge with, with driving a car with a sticker like that on is, yeah, you already know where I'm going with this, don't you? It's when you're following a car and it's got WWJD and, and the way he's kind of cutting in and out of traffic and the way he's driving and the, the sign he made to you when you uh, got too close to him, you know, you're like, I'm not sure that is dub what Jesus would do. <laughs> I definitely don't think that's how Jesus would drive. So, uh, but there are stickers you can choose as a Christian. And in case you can't find, as a follower of Jesus, an appropriate sticker, you could take matters into your own hands like this guy did and just come up with your own design. Uh, <laughs> not the best layout, because initially you're like, honk, Jesus, honk. But no, it does. it's actually honk if you love Jesus. Jesus saves. And just to remind you, honk if you love Jesus. But uh, yeah, I mean, this guy, he wasn't selling for just one sticker. He wanted you to know without any shadow of a doubt that this guy, he loves Jesus, okay? And then I think my favorite one that I came across this week, uh, along a similar theme, honk if you love Jesus, text if you want to meet him. <laughs> so uh, some good advice to all the drivers out there. Um, stay off your phones. Now, here's the thing with bumper stickers, and here's why we're going to talk about this over the next few weeks, is because sometimes we come across these phrases, you might have seen it on a bumper sticker, or maybe it's a, um, a sticker, or a fridge magnet, or a plaque, and there can be things like, God is my co-pilot, everything happens for a reason, God helps those who help themselves, and, and they're nice sayings, and we've heard them, and we like them, but I wonder if they're really accurate, Sometimes we see these phrases and I wonder if they're truly accurate. So this series that we're going to start today is called Bumper Sticker Theology. And each week during this series, we're going to take a closer look at one of these bumper stickers and we're going to ask ourselves this question. Is it biblically sound or does it just sound biblical? Is it biblically sound, what this phrase is saying, or does it just kind of sound biblical? And you might say, well, does it matter? And Well, I think it does because what's, what's happening is there is somebody who's driving a car who, who believes this. There's somebody who's following that car who can read it and believe it. And maybe it's giving them a misrepresentation of who God is or, or what, he, what he can do. So I think it's important to look at some of these phrases, phrases that we kind of have got used to hearing, maybe even saying, to ask ourselves that question. But is this phrase biblically sound or does it just sound biblical? 
So here's the bumper sticker we're going to kick off with this morning. The one I want to tackle today is going to pop right up there. God won't give you more than you can handle. God won't give you more than you can handle. Maybe you've seen that before on a bumper sticker. Uh, maybe you've heard that said. Maybe you've said that yourself. And I want to take a look at it and say, now, is, is this phrase accurate? Is, is this a verse that's in the Bible? Some of you are like, well, I thought that was, was in the Bible. Is it? We'll find out this morning if that's actually a verse in the Bible or not. But before we examine the, the phrase itself, I wonder why it is that we, we tend to find a phrase like that appealing. I mean, we, we've probably used it at some point, haven't we? It's, it's a good kind of peppy phrase when, when someone's going through a difficult time and, and we know they're a follower of Jesus or we're a follower of Jesus. And, and it's kind of a good way of saying, hey, hang in there. Don't give up. You got this. Don't forget, God won't give you more than you can handle. And it sounds good, but is it biblically sound or does it just sound biblical? You see, here's why I think the phrase appeals to us is because it kind of appeals to our um, American culture, that, that kind of ideal that, you know, I got this. I can figure this out. I can fix this. If it's broken, I can make it right because, because I can. I got this. And I don't know if it's maybe more of a guy thing or if it's just a Dave Jane thing, but I am a very guilty person when it comes to that kind of attitude. I was thinking about that idea, you know, that, that kind of concept of like, we can fix this, we can do this, there's nothing that I can't do. And, and I, uh, I remembered a time when we used to live, Casey and I, in a house up in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, and uh, we'd had a basement had flooded, and insurance covered the repairs, but um, there were some of the things I was thinking, well, I can do that. I could maybe save a little bit of money and fix that part myself. So they came and they rehung some drywall in the basement that had got damaged, and then they had to put the baseboard on, the trim, and I thought, well, you know what, I could do that. So I said, you know, I'll, I'll take care of that part. So I, I drove to Menards, and I'd measured, so I knew how much trim I needed. And uh, I, I got there, and I went, and I knew the lengths I needed. What I didn't realize was how long these lengths of trim came in. Uh, and I needed them a certain length, so I didn't have to cut lots of pieces all around the baseboard. So uh, these pieces of trim were all 12 feet each. Some were longer, but I went with the 12 feet pieces. And I needed about 10 of them to do the whole basement. And this was the car that I drove to Menards. <laughs> this car's 15 feet long, okay? Now, I didn't think about this until I came out with my cart and my pieces of trim. And I started to, like, I, I opened the trunk and I put the seat down. And I was like, maybe I can get all the way through the trunk and out one of the windows. <laughs> there came a point where I probably should have stopped and called a friend. <laughs> probably should have said, I, I can't handle this. this. This is a job that I can't do on my own. But oh no, not Dave Jane, because I got this. So I remembered that one of the features of this car is that it can do this. So I was like, hey, if I put a towel over the trunk, I can actually lay the trim over the top of the windshield all the way back. And as I drive back with my hand on it like this, it's only a couple of miles. The police chief of Washington attends our church. When I tell stories like this, I just feel like he's going to be writing notes saying, we need to follow Dave Jane more. This guy should not have a driving license. But I did it. I got all the way home, and it, uh, it stayed there. And you've seen guys do this before. You've seen the guy with a mattress on his roof, and he's got his hand out on the thing holding it like that's going to stop it if suddenly at 60 miles an hour the wind catches that thing. But we've got this mentality, haven't we, of like, I, I got this. I can figure this out. And I think that's why... This phrase, God won't give us more than we can handle, appeals to us because we want to believe that we can handle anything. And that's the challenge, isn't it? Because 
that phrase coupled with our self-reliance mindset can kind of put us in a place of saying, well, if that's true, then, then I don't need God. Why would I need God? Because God's not going to give me anything more than I can handle. So I don't need him. Now, interestingly, there is a verse in Corinthians. Paul was writing to this church in Corinth. They were brand new Christians, and, and Corinth at the time was a terrible place. It was full of all sorts of awful things going on. There was a lot of pagan worship and idolatry and temple prostitution. And so some people were becoming followers of Jesus, but they were coming out of this awful background, and some of them were struggling as new followers of Jesus because of all this temptation that still surrounded them in this city in which they lived, this city of sin. So Paul, as he's writing to them, he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. He said, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So what Paul's actually saying in this verse here, and you've got to be very Careful here, so listen carefully. He says, we will not, he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. So he's saying, God will always provide you with a way out. There will always be an option. If you'll turn to him and ask for his help, he'll always show you. So when you're tempted, there is a way out. He's not saying, he will not give you more burdens than you can stand. So I wonder if that's where we've kind of got this misunderstanding of this idea that God won't give us more than we can handle because it says, no, he doesn't say that. He says he won't give us more temptations because he'll show us a way out. But it doesn't say that he won't give us more burdens. And when we understand that to be true, it releases us. It sets us free from, from some of those times where we question ourselves. Some of us maybe have questioned ourselves because we're, we're inundated with burdens and struggles and there just seems to be everything going on in life right now and some just some difficult things going on. And because we've kind of believed this, this idea that we saw on a bumper sticker once that God wouldn't give us more than we can handle, then when we, when we feel like we're, we're in a place where we're facing more burdens, we question ourselves. Maybe we question others. When we see other people going through difficult situations and just seems that they can't handle some of the stuff, and we start to think, well, maybe they're not a good follower of Jesus. If they're, if they're struggling with some of those things, maybe they're, maybe they're not who they should be because God doesn't give you more than you can handle. It even causes us to question God because when we're faced with inundated burdens, when we go through periods of our life when, when struggles come, we start to say, God, I thought, you wouldn't give me more than I could handle. And I think God's like, no. I know that's what the bumper sticker said, but it's not accurate. You see, here's the truth this morning. Here's the truth this morning. It's gonna sound bad at first, but once we fully understand it, I think you're gonna find it very liberating. You see, the truth is that sometimes you will face more than you can handle. Sometimes in our lives, we will face more than we can handle. And here's what I believe to be true this morning. Whether you're rich or poor, single, married or divorced, young or old, it doesn't matter. It's inevitable that at some point, just life is going to put things in your way where you're going to feel like, man, this just feels like this is more than I can handle. Do you know, Jesus 
He was talking, and, and John, one of the writers who, who gives us an account of Jesus' life, listen to what he wrote down. This is what Jesus himself said in John 16, verse 33. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus is saying, in this world, you will have trouble. You're gonna face difficult times. And I know that might sound like a, a bit of a downer, but if you're here this morning, and if you're a follower of Jesus, there's actually some great news. You see, the promise of Scripture isn't that we'll somehow escape hard times. It's that when we go through hard times, we don't have to go through them alone. When it feels like we're, we're being surrounded by, weighed down by more than we can handle, we can stand on this promise, this truth of knowing that we don't have to do this alone. That God is right there with us. So in my opinion, the bumper sticker, God won't give you more than you can handle, is just simply not true. But I think the truth is better. Because the truth of the sticker should be, God will help you handle all that you've been given. It's just a subtle change, but how wonderful to know that God is a resource. God is wanting and willing to be able to, to help us handle all that we've been given. The caveat, the struggle for some of us is we've got to be willing to say, I need you. And if you're an I've got this kind of person, that can be tough. Because we like the first phrase, because then there's this idea that we can figure it out. We can find the solution. We can solve this problem. And God's saying, you don't have to. I'm right here for you. If you'll call upon me. And we're going to learn this morning that there are actually two great ways that we can encounter God in the midst of these difficult times. And that is that we can depend on God and we can depend on God through others. I think that's what will set some of us free from the, the misunderstanding of that sticker this morning is that if we're willing to believe that not only can we depend on God, but we can depend on God through others, we're gonna experience that when these burdens come and sometimes feel like they are more than we can handle, that we have a God who loves us so much and wants to go through these situations with us. We can depend on God the psalm writer in Psalm 46, verse one, listen to what he said. He said, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Always ready to help in times of trouble. That was written hundreds of years ago by a psalmist who was a, um, a part of Israel as they were working their way through the wilderness and, and beginning their lives in the promised land. And standing upon time after time after again as this um, connection with God is saying, we, we've seen through all that we've been through that God is our refuge and strength. He's always ready to help in times of trouble. And here's the great news. When Jesus came along, and then we read in the New Testament after the life of Jesus, things didn't change. Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, later on, after Jesus had died and risen again, he wrote in a letter, 1 Peter 5, 7, he said, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. That's still true today, I believe, that we can give our worries and cares to God because he cares for us. 
We can depend on God. We can give him our burdens, our worries, and our cares. He wants to help us, but we have to be willing to to admit and acknowledge that sometimes I've got this isn't going to cut it. We've got to say, God, I I need your help because I'm not sure that I do got this. (laughs) That's good grammar right there. The great news is that it's not just like this. We can also depend on God through others. This is why, as the lead pastor of a church, I love the church of Christ. I love the body of Christ. I love being a part of a church. Because it's so much more than just coming on a Sunday morning and sitting for an hour or so and and singing and listening and then leaving. There's more than just this. When you become a part of a local church, a local um, body of believers, a local gathering of people who who are followers of Jesus, it opens up a whole new world of, of understanding God through other people, connecting with God through other people. So for my family, uh, this last six months have been uh, uh, a little bit more challenging than normal. Back in um, the end of December, just around the beginning of the new year, um, my dad's health last year had um, been declining a little bit, and we couldn't figure out why. We were trying to, you know, uh, figure out what was going on. And finally, in uh, the beginning of this year, around January time, they were able to do a scan of his brain, and they they picked up a, a lump there that they saw on the scan, and after testing it, figured out that this was a a cancerous tumor in his brain. So this is a real tough time for me personally because normally we'd see my parents two or three times a year. We'd go to England and they'd come here a couple of times. And uh, because of the COVID situation last year, it had been almost a whole year since we'd got to see my dad. So obviously I'm talking to him and hearing about this diagnosis and the treatment options and uh, all via phone and FaceTime. So I thought, you know, I, I think I want to go and spend a week over there. So a few weeks ago, I booked a trip to go back and just to spend some time with my dad and to learn more about what was going on. I, I planned it so that I could be there for one of his doctor's visits so I could meet with the doctor as well and get to ask him some questions and, and just learn more about it. So all was set. Um, I was going to go back. And if you were here that Sunday, I actually... I recorded my message ahead of time, so I was able to continue to work over there and spend some time with my dad. But um, about a week before leaving for England, my wife starts to uh, feel some discomfort and pain, so we take her to the emergency room, and they discover that she's got a kidney stone. Now, I've never had a kidney stone, but anyone I've spoken to who has has said it's the most excruciating pain imaginable, and that's exactly where she was at. And they determined that this particular one wasn't going to pass on its own, that they would need to uh, perform a surgery or two to, to get rid of this stone. This was a week before I was due to leave. So they were able to do the initial surgery before I left, and uh, the next surgery wasn't going to be until I got back. But I realized I'm, I'm kind of stuck in this, this place of I, I, I'm scheduled to go back and spend some time with my dad and, and deal with some of his health stuff. I was in my wife at the same time. I don't want to leave her. And, and it was really tough. And honestly, talking about not giving you more than you can handle, we felt like in that time, God, you're going to have to help us here because there's a lot of stuff going on. There was other things as well going on in our lives at the time. But it worked for me to be able to go for that short period of time. And one of the things that, that made it work so well was some very kind people decided that they were going to help out. So some people bought some gifts, some people helped with picking up my daughter from school. Someone organized a meal train and some people brought meals. And this was a great part of being connected to a church. 
of seeing God help us through others. And it might be easy to sit here this morning and think, well, that's great, David. You're the pastor of the church. No wonder people helped you. But actually, the reality is that other than a few individual friends and family members, everyone who stepped in to help were either part of our small group that Casey and I are a part of, were part of the team that we work with here at the church. So because we were connected in the way in which we were connected, we were able to depend on God through others during this challenging time. I got back, Casey had her second surgery, she's doing a lot better now, we're back together as a family. But this is why I want to continue to encourage you as, as regular attenders or members here this morning of Connect Church. I love that you come on a Sunday morning. But if you've been coming on a regular basis now and you haven't yet made a step to find a way to get connected, whether that's joining a group or a small group, looking for a way to serve on a Sunday morning, serve throughout the week, there's so many ways in which you can get, get, get connected. And in and of themselves, they're great ways to get involved with the church. But when you're going through difficult times, Having that group walk alongside you, having those people being able to gather around you, and, and I know that there are many here this morning who could tell story after story of situations that they've been through where it felt like, man, I feel like I'm being given more than I can handle here. And one of the things that got you through it was those friends, family members, those group members who came around you and said, hey, we wanna help you at this time. Paul talks about this in Galatians. It's a real simple phrase, but he said that we should carry each other's burdens. And that becomes really real when you're one of the people going through those burdensome times and you feel that love and that support. We need to depend on God and we need to depend on God through others. So this is how my mind works. I was thinking about this message on Friday night as I was cooking burgers on the grill. So I, uh, I know some of you out here, you've got these like green eggs and smokers and I talked to some of you guys and you've got these incredible things. I, I've got like a Weber and charcoal. I mean, it doesn't get any more basic than that. I dump some charcoal out, I light it. So this week I, I put some charcoal in, I lit it and I had to run to the store to get some buns for the hamburgers. When I got back, I discovered that I hadn't set my charcoal up right. So all of this side was just burning great, just glowing orange and red. And then there was all this charcoal over on this side and it was just black, just hadn't even caught. And there, I could see some of the guys here nodding already like, I've, I've been there, I, I feel your pain. I know exactly how that is. So do you know what I did? I just kind of moved the charcoal that was over here on the edge and put it in amongst all the burning. And it was minutes. And suddenly this charcoal started to, to catch light and to burn as well. I meet people sometimes who say, you know, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus. Uh, I don't feel like I need to go to church. I feel like I could be a Christian. And, and you know what? I actually think you're right. I don't think you need to go to church. But here's the thing. If you don't, you're kind of a little bit like the charcoal on this side. Because there is just something about being connected. It's like the charcoal on a grill. When, when you get connected, it's like suddenly the warmth and the heat, it's, it, it, it goes across and it's infectious. That's what we experienced in our family over these last few weeks, just the, the fact that as it felt like our charcoal brick was burning a little less brightly, all the bright charcoal around just gave us the warmth and the encouragement and the support that we needed. Because as followers of Jesus, we don't just have to depend on God. We can depend on God through others. But we've got to be willing to admit 
that the phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle, may not be true. And that the reality is that actually, his promise is that he'll be with us through everything we do go through. So we're going to close out the service this morning by doing something we do on a regular basis here at Connect, and that's take communion together. So if you're here in the room beneath your seat right now is a a communion cup. If you're watching online, uh, if you have something at home, you'd like to join us in communion, you're welcome to grab um, some juice, a cracker, a piece of bread, even a glass of water, whatever it is, just so that you can, like charcoals on a grill, be a part of all of us this morning as we take communion together. It's great to take communion on a regular basis because it's a constant reminder of the great price that Jesus paid for us. But here's why I think it's particularly great to take it this morning. As we think about the fact that sometimes we will face more than we can handle. And the truth is not God won't give you more than you can handle, but God will help you handle all that you've been given. You may be in a place right now and you're saying, well, that's a great message, Dave, but I'm not there. Things are going good. I'm, I'm not struggling right now. I'm, you say, you know, we, we need God, but I don't, I'm not sure that I need Him right now. This is to remind us that every one of us needs God. You see, in Romans 5, 6, Paul said, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. When we were utterly helpless, when we couldn't help ourselves, Christ came at just the right time and died for us in us. In our brokenness and our helplessness, Jesus sent, oh sorry, God sent Jesus to die for us. His body was broken for us. If you've not already taken the cracker yet, let's take this cracker to remind us of what Jesus did for us. And not only did he allow his body to be broken, He allowed his blood to be shed. So let's drink this together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that whatever we go through in our lives, whatever burdens we face, whenever we feel helpless at times, that we can depend upon you. And as part of a local church, we can even depend on one another. We can can find you in our relationship with other followers of Jesus. But even if we're not in a place right now of of helplessness or, or difficulty or burdens, Lord, the reality is every one of us was helpless at restoring this relationship with God because we could never be good enough. So Jesus, you chose to come and give up your life for us so that our relationship with God could be restored. And as we take communion together, we all acknowledge this morning that I've got this doesn't work in this area of our lives. Lord, we do need you. We do need you. And we're so grateful that you provided a way, that you came and you died and you lived and you died and you rose again. You returns to heaven. You're in heaven right now, interceding, praying for every one of us because you love us so much. Right, as we kind of close out the service, I'm gonna ask the band just to lead us in one more chorus of the song we sang just before. Uh, I came up to speak. No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, no 
Father God, we just close out this morning by saying thank you for that overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love that you showed us, Lord. That no matter how self-reliant we feel like we may be, we still needed your Son to come and die for us. We took communion today to remember that. But Lord, it's more than that. There will be times in our life where it will feel like we're facing more than we can handle. But that doesn't mean that we've missed it. It doesn't mean that you've missed it. Despite what the bumper sticker may say, the reality is that we will, at times, face more than we can handle. And that's when we find you to be the closest, the most available. If we will just reach out to you and say, God, I need you in this season of my life. I need to lean into others who love me in this season of my life. I need to reach out for the help that you want to give. Give us the courage, Lord, because we want to be the ones who say, I got this. So give us the courage, Lord, to say it's okay at times to reach out and ask for help. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for being here. We'll uh, see you all back here next Sunday morning.